0: <laughs> Ghost Island Media. Hey guys, NatureNade here. Happy holidays and end of the year. Depending on when you hear this, I hope everyone's able to rest after a long and stressful year. I've certainly rested a lot after COP28. We're going to be having two episodes come out on my sort of reflections around COP. If you didn't see it, uh, I was on Taiwan Plus and shared some of my observations, and it was also my first attempt at kind of recording video interviews and doing sort of news-style reporting. So now that COP's passed and my life's come back to normal, I can kind of give you a sense of how each day I approached it. Basically, I would plan each day on the morning, usually on the way there. I would have friends who were maybe speaking at different panels, or there were certain panels I wanted to see, like from Global Ocean Trust, the ocean NGO I went with, or there would be sometimes things off-site, and it's really hard to juggle. One of my friends, Lin Doe, compared COP28 to Burning Man, and it does feel like a music festival. So each day, you, know, you kind of need to plan out what you're going to go see, and I was trying to see a lot of ocean conservation stuff. I was trying to see things around biodiversity and how that linked to carbon, and I was always looking for Taiwan, of course. I'm gonna speak with representatives from the New Taipei City government and also Acer of all companies. Um, Just some short clips, some interviews I was able to do quickly at COP. I was really interested this year in how Taiwan shows up, both companies and the government. I was pretty surprised to find New Taipei City there. Just found them randomly at the Acer event, of course. And yeah, so don't expect too much. Just some random musings from me while I was at COP and some pretty interesting interviews. So without further ado, here's some more of my reflections from COP28 from the Monday, basically before the midway point of COP. So just over the last two days of COP, just imagine you're there walking around the blue zone, chatting with me as we go from exhibition to exhibition. some reflection in the last couple days cop it's uh december 4th i'm about to go to the Palau pavilion and uh see what taiwan is up to because that's where one of their talks are and i was just at a talk in the blue zone that had literally nothing to do with cop or climate change it was well sort of it was youth activists which I don't really blame them, just sort of talking about their activism work, which is great, but at previous COPs, the point of the Blue Zone is to have events that are related to the climate negotiation that is going on. And the Blue Zone, by definition, is excluding the public. It is supposed to be for people who are adjacent to delegations or NGOs trying to lobby influence or for researchers to communicate research, but. It's really unclear what these events are. And then after I left that talk, I passed four talks going on in a three-story building. So there's just talks happening constantly, no questions, and it's not really clear to me what the benefit is. It feels like the marketing that the green zone was sort of infamous for in previous cops has just completely gone into the blue zone. You just hear the most ridiculous stuff because you hear people who, you know, I was at a talk yesterday where someone said, well, if we can use crypto, if we can use Bitcoin, we can put marine conservation projects on the blockchain and make sure that those conservation benefits get measured and reported correctly, and we can unlock financing and funding. There are no real commercial projects that connect ocean conservation and blockchain. I'd like to think I've heard about it, given that I'm a big researcher and enthusiast on the potential of crypto, and I'm an ocean researcher who's been doing this. So maybe they exist, but there was no evidence presented, there was no questions. It was just, this is what it is. And that's something that I've seen happening a lot at this COP in particular. I'm here to give my spiel, give my marketing talk, and that's it. Now I'm in a somewhat quiet area. Went to the green zone earlier today and I saw four or five different car ads for electric vehicles. There was gift shops, there were uh, massive booths and it really had a complete trade show environment. And I've been to a couple cops but there was nothing like this. This felt like a green expo, completely divorced from the climate negotiations. I could see Dubai organizing climate conferences in the future that are explicitly about sort of green business and clean tech. This sort of feels like what it is because COP, you know, in two years is going to be in Brazil. We're not sure where it's going to be next year. Brazil is not going to turn this into a trade show, um, at least based on what I've heard from delegates before. Whereas in Dubai, you know, we're an expo city. Of course, it's going to be an expo. It's in expo city. Now I'm standing in front of these pollution domes, they're geodesic domes that simulate pollution in different cities around the world, Beijing, London, and New Delhi. What happens when you go inside? You experience Beijing's pollution, which is 157 parts per million. It's actually quite quiet in here. might be nice to record. Moving through a tunnel, passing into another dome. And we're in uh, New Delhi, 242 parts per million. It's hard to breathe. It's quite awful in here. Uh, Beijing was actually nice compared to New Delhi. Let's see what the third dome is like. Ah, crisp London air, although it says London has moderate pollution, 40 AQI. I'm not really sure what this is supposed to simulate, given that the air outside in Dubai is so polluted. You could just literally walk around the climate venue and uh, experience pollution. But it is nice to breathe some London air. I met with New Taipei City representative Katie Liu, I met with Chow Wei Chow, the research director at the Taiwan Climate Action Network, and with Kimmy Liu at Mom Loves Taiwan Association. Most of them were new to COP, and they were discussing what the organizations did and what they were hoping to see out of it. And I think that the interesting thing here is that Taiwan does not have an official delegation to COP. Instead, they have different NGOs and organizations that believe it's important to be involved and go and observe and probably try and influence and network. And I just think it's important because Taiwan is excluded from a lot of international venues. I wanted to share what people are doing to get around those exclusions and to engage regardless. It was really fascinating to see a new Taipei City representative. So it was great to hear from them. And I think you'll like hearing from them too. I also had an opportunity to speak with the conscious technology company, Acer, I spoke with Emmanuel Fremont, the president of Acer's Europe and Middle East operations. He's spoken in the past, especially at Computex, about sustainability. So once I knew that they would be at a side event at COP, I was uh, fortunately invited to attend. And I had an opportunity to speak with Emmanuel about what Acer is doing in terms of sustainability, how they're kind of transitioning away maybe from a traditional laptop company, and they're looking at how Acer can hit their uh, science-based target and their re 100 targets. So it's really interesting to see a company that, you know, is Taiwanese, but not always thought of it as such, attending COP even at a side event. So I wanted to hear from them. Who are you, what's your name, and what are you doing at COP28?
1: I'm Katie Liu from Utah City Government. I'm Outreach and Research uh, International Affairs Division, Secretary of Taipei City Government. Well, I'm here because uh, we're doing the SDG section. That's the uh, communication world. Uh, to the worldwide so we think that is important to sell our ideas our asset action, and I came here to learn from the other worldwide cities.
0: Wow ah, very yeah. nice and so are you able to go into the COP28 venue? Have you gone into the blue zone? Have you gone in the green zone?
1: Yeah can visit Green Zone for this time because we plan in too late. Mm. Yeah, okay. so maybe feel next company? year. Uh, actually, this is my first time virtually come here, and I think I uh, really appreciate that I can see lots of SDG sections from worldwide. And that I think uh, SDG solution actually is the city solution, mm. uh, every city have their own issue and problem needs to be solved. So that is really interesting.
0: What do you want the world to know about New Taipei City Government?
1: New Taipei City Government with uh, almost 4 million people and it's the largest city in Taiwan and we are an honor that the first city to launch our SDGs um, voluntary local review and also the first city invited by New York City to sign their uh, VOR declaration to live maybe Worldwide City know where New Taipei City is, also where Taiwan is. Yeah, I think that it's really proud of it.
0: Didn't New Taipei City also ban coal?
1: I, actually, I don't know that exactly in English. <laughs> coal-free, yeah, yeah. coal-free in 2023. Yeah, New Taipei City went yeah, exactly. coal-free in yeah, 2023. Yeah. Because our mayor re- really support uh, SDG's action and we signed a uh, New York City voluntary local review and signed lots of climate actions decoration initiative. Also, uh, call free by 2023. Carbon neutral. Yeah, not really carbon neutral. We still try because we, are, we have a uh, large scale and we have lots of... It's uh,
0: the largest city in Taiwan. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So we, we still have not lots of work to do. Uh, we're, we're
0: trying. <laughs> okay, so just to start, um, can you just say your
2: name, your title, and why you're here at COP28? Hi, I'm Jiawei Zhao. I'm the research director of the Taiwan Climate Action Network. The the purpose of the mission that I joined uh, COP28 is that uh, because this is a very important cop because we have the, the very first global start And also we have a, a lot of discussion around the industry decarbonization. Those are the key issues that I want to bring back to kind of like to be a policy suggestion and a lot of the uh, basic example that we Taiwan can follow follow that. So I was just trying to bring as much as the uh, campaign material, now the basis for uh, of what we want to do in Taiwan. What have you seen a cop
0: 28 so far, yeah. what have you liked that you've seen? What have you not liked that you've seen?
2: Yeah, for the COP28, if we look in from the climate perspective, I would say the progress of the COP28 is much faster than the COP27. It's kind of like the older, uh, for the first, first few days, there's a, a, also a very important and also very important decision that was already made, like the loss and damage fund was was put into the operation mode. So that will be a kind of like a, will serve as a basis for the uh, negotiation for the coming coming week. So it's kind of like they are well designed to have this kind of international more uh, accelerated international negotiation. But another thing is that we have to face face the reality that we are coming in a kind of like we are negotiate climate change in the fossil fuel bomb. Uh, We are kind of like in this uh, this fossil fuel uh, production nation. We still need to try and find a a way to convince those kind of major oil country, they are waiting to accelerate their decarbonization effort. Because in the meantime, although we see some for, from that, but they are only talking about their scope one, scope two, those kind of emissions from their operation, but they did not face the reality is that they cannot sell the oil and the gas in the next uh, few decades. So that's the that, that's the reality we want. I think this, uh, this should be bring to those, those countries. Mm.
0: Okay, so what do you want people in Taiwan to know about COP28?
2: Yeah, I want people from Taiwan to know the COP28 is that when we talk about the climate change issue or next zero issue, it's not just a basic... Uh, understanding of the of the environment is already beginning to have a reshaping all the business rule and it's also uh, kind of like a new global orders for, for the discussion. I think we should bring those angles to discuss about the climate change issue. Like I said, in here and uh, in this COP, there is also some event related to the climate change and the national security, which is mm-hmm. that we still kind mm-hmm. of like We always think about the climate change issue. It's only the issue with the Ministry of the of the Environment, of the Ministry of the Economic Affairs, who deal only with the energy issue. But. Since we are talking about climate change as a new uh, trade to the national security, and we in Taiwan we always worry about national security issue, we will have to think that together. We have to bring the, we have to include the climate change issue in our national security uh, uh, plan. Mm. So that's the issue we need to uh, pay attention to, not just only thinking about. Oh, well, now we know we have to reduce the. We have to buy more renewable energy to get the to fulfill the uh, the requirement of the supply chain. But as a whole, we have to view the climate change issue as a not as a kind of like a new uh, the national security label. But in the other side, we have to see the climate change issue. dealing with the climate change issue is a human right basis. At like least this COP, we are, there was also some declaration about the climate change, climate change and the health. In Taiwan, we always think the health is a priority. We want to talk about that. But we forgot the climate change is a new trait to the to our public health. That's mm. also another thing we have to pay, pay attention to. How does Taiwan currently participate in COP
0: and climate negotiations? And then what's your hope for the future with how Taiwan can participate?
2: Yeah, we always think the the COP will be a, a chance that Taiwan can join this kind of international event substantially, yeah. and uh, this time we see the less, less kind of like more than hundreds of the delegates from the different sectors, and uh, like from the NGO, from the government, from government, from the academic uh, research institute, and especially a lot of the uh, delegates from the business sector, they all come into here to join the COP. So it's kind of like actually they show a few like. Uh, multi-level uh, cooperation and also a kind of like a co- coordination among the different stakeholders and everyone they want to know what what's the discussion around the COP. So the first thing is that if we want to have a substantial participation of the COP, we have to know what the, the COP was focused on, what our discussion about, like the loss of damage is a key mm. issue in the last COP and the this COP. So we have to prepare that there's a lot of the, our allies that belong to those vulnerable country. So if there's a possibility that we prepare some our uh, some donation, some substantial donation at this time of the COP, that we can declare uh, declare our additional donation for those country, like for the Marshall Island or for Peru, about those those damage issues, that can show Taiwan are actually have the connection about what the, the cover, a, a discussion about. It's not just only to have this side event with our allies, we only talk about our offshore wind or PV development, but we ignore they are the That since they are focused on the patient, not the loss and damage issue, so I think a lot of way we can trying to improve for the next for the next time to have this kind of climate. Uh, uh, climate uh, for i would say climate diplomacy as a very uh, workable uh, organized nice way it's not just okay we have this kind of uh, trying to apply for some side event but side event and we have a different kind of uh, stakeholder like coming to here but without any kind of like, organized, organized activity i would say it's a pity that we are uh, because for taiwan it's already challenging to Coming to COP. But if we, we want to help, uh, we have the collective action, we want to collect uh, the support from different different uh, stakeholders, we need to prepare uh, much better than, than this time. Yeah. Mm.
0: All right, so who are you and who are you with and what are you doing at COP28? Okay, hello
3: everyone. I'm Eating I'm from Taiwan and at Momblems Taiwan. This is my page (laughs) because our organization's name is here. (laughs) And we come here to join a conference. We have already joined this conference called about 10 years, so every year we will be here. That's why I'm here. And I think this year uh staff fuss are the top priority to many organizations or many countries because we need to keep the 1.5 goals too, so and um, this is the top priority. But our focus may be more on loss and damage because we've been to uh, a Pacific Island conference in Palau this J- July and we saw many uh, Pacific Island nations they really care about climate change because it's a very important issue about survive so this is uh, our top focus on this conference and. This is an agenda related to survive for many Pacific Islands. So, um, these islands, countries are also very important to Taiwan, too, because they are very important partners in international socials or international nations. They are always be with Taiwan, so I think their survival issues is our focus. and. They are very, very important development allies in international. So the found is very important to them because there are many details in facing extreme climate change issues uh, or uh, those kind of conditions. Maybe such as uh, if you due to extreme weather conditions, the migrations rights or the re- relocations protections of these immigrations will be uh, uh, very relied on these extra uh, resources. So loss and damages found established is very important to them. And therefore the, this found is the focus of our attention.
0: Is Taiwan able to contribute to this fund?
3: Maybe I think we have many connections uh, between uh, Taiwan and these diplomatic nations also. So I think we have already have many connections and we can do more, actually. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So obviously Taiwan is not recognized by the UN. What is it like to come to COP28 uh, representing Taiwan? How does that work?
3: I think we have uh, we have many organizations or uh, even our governments come here too. So maybe I think the agendas of COP twenty eight is a very uh, how can I say that uh, this agenda is a very very important. Uh, the details or the foundation to of our, if we um, need to legislate about this environmental laws, we need to focus on the agendas, and I think we need to uh, get more in the international uh, uh, standards. Mm. Yeah.
0: Are you able to go into the negotiation areas?
3: No. <laughs> <laughs> because we are now allowed to.
0: <laughs> what yeah. do you want people to know outside Taiwan uh, about what Taiwan's doing at COP?
3: I think whether it is civil society or companies, because this time has so many companies come here, or the government, they need to set goals in accordance with international trends. Mm. So I think uh, people outside, not in COP, need to know these trends. So it is important to bring this latest information back to Taiwan and set up some goals. Maybe that's why Taiwan can help because we need to <laughs> still focus on these goals too. <laughs>
0: Do you think Taiwanese companies are familiar with COP and familiar with carbon reduction or is there a, a knowledge gap?
3: Maybe a little um, knowledge
0: gap. A
3: little bit. <laughs> Not so huge, but, but a little bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: Anything else you want people to know about COP28, your experience, any observations you want to share?
3: Okay, I think climate change is a next generation issue. I think that's why we are here. And we also bring two young partners here because this is their issue. So not just about us. It's just about the next generation. So maybe I think we should let more youth people to part into this conference and into these uh, agendas.
0: So basically I just want to find out um, why COP28, why are you here and what new policies is Acer here to announce?
4: So I think we've put sustainability in, in the course you know story and development of the company for some time and we wanted to come here to make a statement that you know we're proud of what we do we're confident in what we're doing and we can come here in a place where everybody's gonna talk about what they do and still have a convincing story that we bring our stone to the edifice. You know, it's we're not gonna change the world alone, Acer, hey, we don't pretend we will. But I think as a company, like any other company, we have a corporate responsibility to do our piece, and I think we wanted to tell the world that, again, we're, we, we know what we're doing, we're confident it's real, uh, and we wanna use COP28 to uh, demonstrate this.
0: What are the biggest sustainability challenges for Acer?
4: So, you know, there's many challenges because to start with the industry we're in, is not a you it's know, challenging, it's a challenging exactly. I, I wouldn't say, you know, and we know electronics in general uh, is not the most virtuous uh, uh, industry there is. So I think we cannot change everything, but we really, where we can change, we change. So again, we were the, the one pushing the envelope on recycled plastic. You mentioned packaging. I mean, there is no plastic in our packaging anymore. It's all recycled, carton, recyclable 100%. We work on logistics. I think the, the extended lifetime of products is very important. I have a lot of people saying, yeah, but it's not good for your business. It's not necessarily true. Uh, Oh really, why is that? Because I'm not mining anything. I'm, I'm selling computers. At the end, there is a full ecosystem of reselling reused computer reused phone a lot of people are there and it's it's a real business so for me if i can capture enough of this value chain if i get a pc back i can myself clean it repair it change the spare part put it back on the market i may make the same margin that i make on a new product to be fair because you know our industry is not the the most profitable one either so i think there is a way to have a, a, a virtuous business there and we can really mix sustainability and doing the right thing with having a, a, a good business.
0: So not just a manufacturer but a repairer of laptops and other technology as well or just laptops to start?
4: No, mostly anything with electronics. So you would be surprised, we repair uh, vacuum cleaners, we repair uh, coffee machines, wow. uh, we repair a lot of things, but you know, more and more those products have a motherboard, have a display, and have some software uh, to control them, and this is what we know how to do. So if it's purely, purely mechanical, mechanical part, we're maybe not the best one, but anything, again, that a software, display, and a motherboard, which is almost everything, your coffee machine is more and more complicated, we, we do repair. And we're very proud of this business, actually. we. We're just spinning off this entity, uh, giving it a new name, and it's it's a real business.
0: Great. So I guess last thing, at the end of the keynote, I saw a big shipping container with batteries inside. Is Acer getting into energy storage? Is this like a grid level thing, or how, how's that going?
4: This, we, we just announced, I mean, it's mostly Taiwan, to be fair, because mm. as Jason mentioned, I think we invested in a company that do uh, sell, power sell. So, I think it's it's a little bit of a showcase. I think in Europe, we're mostly going to focus on the portable batteries, maybe home equipment, not necessarily the full container. But yeah, this is more, you know, if the power grid really uh, fall apart and uh, you, you need to, to power a big data center or things like this, you need uh, storage. But I think this is going to be a small part of our business. But in general, we're more about optimize power management, uh, having our sale, and this is why portable battery is an interesting uh, market for us.
0: So I think most people are used to seeing Acer at a computer show, they're not necessarily used to seeing Acer at COP. Are we going to see you at COP29, COP30, is this going to be a regular
4: thing? It's it's probable. I think we need to make sure we continue to progress and, you know, push the boundaries of what we can do, Uh, but you've seen sustainability. Everything we do needs to have some sustainable uh, aspects to it. And uh, again, we're, we're very confident that we walk the talk. You know, it's not just intention. This is why, you know, I, I was also on stage showing concrete example. So, yes, you'll see us committed. Am I going to be at COP29? I don't know for sure. I need to decide. But you check your schedule. Am, am I going to be in, in any forum where I can show and demonstrate my sustainability DNA? For sure.
0: So, good day at COP, and now I'm off at a side event. There's Hope House and Q House, uh, K-Y-U. So these are sort of corporate-sponsored side events where you have a lot of design thinking exercises, you'll have films, you'll have movies, uh, you'll have talks, obviously, networking. Uh, Side events have always been a part of COP, and I I think there's really nothing wrong with them. Um, It's in a... Quite a trendy area, it looks like a bunch of shipping containers stacked sideways on top of a bunch of concrete, which probably isn't great during summer, but in winter with the setting sun, it uh, feels quite nice out here. So I'm really curious to see where, uh, where this goes and how this event goes, and uh, I'll keep you updated. Um, in terms of my overall optimism around COP, man, it's, it's tough to say. COP is, is just so much larger than it's ever been and it's really become clear that it is in fact the world's carbon convention and it is also the world's climate negotiation as part of a unf triple treaty so that's a big issue that's getting increasingly complex and i don't feel like our communications our analysis uh, has really kept up with that so that's it for today